This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please contact us there. Quick note on the shows we still have coming up. We are doing our free agency special tonight. Since most of the NFL free agents have either found a new home or familiar homes already. So we're going to be covering that. But upcoming, we are soon going to finish our mini State of the League series that we've been doing. And we've been putting out slowly but surely. Uh, We have a few teams left to cover and we'll be putting that out yet in advance of the draft. We should have that done here shortly. We also will have a pre-draft special in advance of the NFL draft that starts on April 29th, so be on the lookout for that. We will also be having night-by-night coverage during the draft, so make sure you follow our Twitter feeds for full live reactions at TJ3Duncan and at Hammy2112. And then we will be doing our yearly post-draft mock draft, like we had last year, that will use all of the picks from our league to draft the newly situated rookies on their new teams. So you won't want to miss out on any of that. Please like, subscribe, and review the show to make sure you're going to be a part of the fun. Now, before we get into the heart of free agency, there have been several big stories that have either had further developments or recent updates that I feel we should at least talk about. So let's start with a less controversial one. Russell Wilson is still the quarterback of the Seahawks at the moment, and it feels like that may be the case for the upcoming season. However, I get the sense that either Wilson or Pete Carroll is going to be the odd man out at the end of this year because I really only see a championship healing the divide that's currently percolating between these two and apparently has been for a few years, according to most insiders. And that roster has too many holes right now to get there, in my opinion. So what are your thoughts on the Russell Wilson situation? I guess the first thing that comes to mind and that maybe I'm showing my true homerism here is how damn good Aaron Rodgers is, right? Because the Packers have been going through this same type of a thing where they have holes that seem like can't be plugged, but there's only one person that can plug them, and it's their quarterback. Russell Wilson is really, really good. Don't get me wrong. He's very, very good, but he does not have the same type of pre-play impact on games that Aaron Rodgers does. Aaron Rodgers can tell you what type of defense you're running just by how you get out of the huddle. The thing that's been pissing Russell Wilson off is he's been getting hit a lot, like a lot, a lot. Over the last couple of years, he's by far been the most sacked quarterback, and that's got to be frustrating, especially knowing the type of weapons that he has on offense. That defense was something that carried that team for a long, long time, and Russell Wilson is really doing the best that he can, but... You know, he's only human, and Aaron Rodgers is a goddamn robot. So, yeah, I completely think you're right. I feel like the only thing that heals this is a championship or one of them leaving. I kind of find it weird that Russell Wilson is so mad at Pete Carroll because I really do think Pete Carroll is, like, the ultimate player's coach. I feel like he should be more upset with the front office. But when you win and you win and you win – your draft picks are always at the end of the draft, right? And it puts that much more pressure on the front office. Like you don't have the ability to mess up. So I think that's, I think it's just one of those things where his team has been really, really good for so long. Maybe you got to 
cut some cap really quick and then these next couple free agencies sign somebody really, really big and impactful. But it's he's it's basically just one of those issues that you're a really good team. You've been a really, really good team for a long time, and eventually you're not going to be great anymore. Well, there are multiple cycles of this, and there are a few things that I need to correct or push back on. So number one, Pete Carroll is the front office. He has final say over everything. Uh, he is John Schneider's boss, not the other way around in Seattle. And he got that when he originally came up to Seattle to be the coach. So while he may not do the drafting per se, he still has input over the direction of the team and the roster and most of the construction of how things are going to go. So when he says in the offseason, especially immediately following the playoff game, that they need to run the ball more, and they took a decided role to do that in the second half of the season, particularly where most fans believed they uh, were not nearly as good as when we had the let Russ cook days early on in the season. I think I can sense a little bit of the frustration that Russell Wilson feels that they've never really given him all the tools he feels he needs to have in order to make the team good. Now, here's where we've had long-term discussions on quarterback contracts. I agree with you that Russell Wilson is not only an above average quarterback, but he's a star quarterback, but he doesn't hold the same spackling ability that Peyton Manning used to do for the Colts or Aaron Rodgers currently is capable of doing for the Packers or that Patrick Mahomes apparently is capable of doing for the Chiefs. And even then, those teams still have the ability to lose. Like Aaron Rodgers is coming off of two years ago being out of the playoffs and getting his coach fired. Now, part of that had to do with the fact that he was hurt. And so he's not superhuman. But we sometimes lose the forest for the trees that every time a new quarterback comes up for a contract, they need to be the highest paid one. And we've accepted that as the reality of the situation. I think there is a reckoning going to be coming where you're going to get tiers of quarterbacks in how they're paid. I don't think that the next time a quarterback comes up, let's say, for example, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins should not be making $28, $29 million a year and being one of the top paid quarterbacks in the league. It it just shouldn't be the case. To me, even though he had a great statistical four and a half games, I'm not sure Dak Prescott needs to be up there in cap number with the Aaron Rodgers, with the Patrick Mahomeses, with the Deshaun Watsons. I think they're a step above. Even right now, and I know Arizona doesn't have to pay Kyler for a few more years, I'm not sure he's at the level where he needs to be on that. And it ends up costing your team the ability to be maneuverable. So I think we're going to get to that here in a second when we talk about these draft pick trades. But this is why most of the analysts keep saying the most valuable thing in the NFL right now is a good young rookie quarterback on their rookie wage scale because you can invest in putting the pieces around them. Look at Carson Wentz winning the Super Bowl or Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl with the Eagles. They weren't great quarterbacks, but you could put a very good roster around a young quarterback in order to make them work. A great offensive line, a great defensive front seven, etc., Tom Brady basically had that because he is underpaid for what he should be. Theoretically, you would expect Tom Brady, the GOAT, quote-unquote, I don't believe so, but we'll save that for another day, to be 
commanding Aaron Rodgers type numbers for his past performance, his ability to win a Super Bowl, but no, he lets them fill out the rest of the roster. And so as a result, I would expect that teams are going to be more willing to move on from quarterbacks in the mid-tier and not necessarily give these huge numbers if they can go out and find a guy that's NFL-ready and put other pieces around them because the quarterback position has gotten easier with the RPOs over the last few years. With all the shotgun situations and all the college-ready players, I know not all of them pop, but not all of them are going to be coached by Adam Gaze either. You had to get your shot in, huh? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, Jets fans. No, I mean, I can, I agree with every single thing that you said, especially the pay scale. I mean, the best thing, yeah, is as much as you want to start your team out with a quarterback, it's almost like, I don't know, because you don't want to like get your quarterback last either. But it's one of those things like, yeah, you're, you're, it's best to build while the quarterback is on the rookie scale. It just makes everything easier. I think you're right. There's only a handful of quarterbacks that can do the type of things and cover up the type of holes like the Aaron Rodgers, like the Patrick Mahomes. Um, there was one other one that you said too, but I really do Sean think there's Watson. only a hand. Yeah, I really do think there's only a handful of them that can cover up as many holes like that. But you know, I guess we're gonna see. I I do think that he'll finish this season as a Seahawk. I I don't know looking down the future if he'll finish his career as a Seahawk with uh Carol being rumored all the time to be retiring I think there is a reckoning going to be coming whether you choose Wilson or choose Carol and I think that's going to happen sooner than later so it wouldn't shock me if they ended up picking one over the other and I honestly say it's probably 50 50 I with the way things are constructed, but here's the situation. You mentioned the offensive line a second ago and him being the most sacked quarterback. Seattle skimped on offensive line to be able to pay a lot of their defensive players in that championship window where they almost won back-to-back Super Bowls, except for Malcolm Butler. They have thought they could continue to do that up until now. That is obviously not the case when Russell Wilson has clearly lost some of his speed and his step So now he needs to become a different quarterback. So you need to invest in your offensive line, but you're paying Bobby Wagner top dollar. You're paying Jamal Adams top dollar. You're paying Russell Wilson the second biggest cap number at quarterback this year. So is Russell Wilson willing to give back some of his cap number to sign better offensive linemen? And until he is, I think he's somewhat of a hypocrite too. I think that needs to be stated. So number two There were two big draft pick trades this week that have some definite implications. And frankly, if this is what we're going to get out of the NFL draft this year, buckle up. The Niners traded the 12th pick, a 2021 third round pick, and first round picks in 2022 and 2023 to the Dolphins for the third overall pick this year, a pick the Dolphins originally got for the Laramie Tunsil trade with the Texans. Yes, the Texans... Uh, mediocrity and bad decisions apparently affect everybody. Then the Dolphins traded the 12th pick to a 2022 first round pick and a 2021 fourth round pick to the Eagles for the sixth overall pick to move back into the top 10 and a 2021 fifth round pick uh, as well to the Eagles. So let's take a second to break down all of the implications for these teams. Which one would you like to start with? 
let's do the Niners. Okay. I'm 95% convinced that the Niners are going to take a quarterback at three. You don't move up unless it's to be taking a quarterback at that third spot. Now, what's going to be available? Because I think most people have basically said that the Jaguars are going to take Trevor Lawrence. That's almost a lock. Yep. Most people think that Zach Wilson will go at number two. Who has Maybe the not second to the again? Jets. Hmm? Who's, the Jets have the second. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if the Jets will hold on to the second pick, but I think they're going to be asking for a huge haul to do so. I think they may keep Darnold and draft Wilson and then see where they're at with their quarterback situation and then make decisions. That has happened before, notably with Cam Newton and uh, drafting him the year after they drafted Jimmy Clausen to be their starter. The same happened with uh, the Arizona Cardinals being terrible the year after they drafted Josh Rosen. They obviously traded Rosen, kept Kyler Murray. That's obviously worked out for them. So I would see the Jets maybe in that type of scenario, but I don't know yet. So what you're looking at is there are three other high-projected quarterbacks. You're likely going to have your pick of Trey Lance, the kid from North Dakota State who played only one game this year. Not his fault. Justin Fields, the quarterback out of Ohio State for a good portion of the year when he was in the Big Ten Conference slate, at least up until the Big Ten Championship game and then the uh, playoff, was thought to be on par with Trevor Lawrence for draft prospect. And then finally, Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback, who is probably the only one out of these top five that doesn't have a running element to his game. He's not a particularly athletic quarterback. He's more of your traditional pocket passer. He's clearly seen as the fifth best. So you'd expect either Fields or Lance to be the quarterback for the Niners if they're selecting at three. As far as that goes, what are your thoughts? Because they have their established starter that they got to a Super Bowl two years ago with in Jimmy Garoppolo. You would say the writing's on the wall, but why move up to take that quarterback? There's been a lot of hand-wringing over the decision. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You don't move up, especially up into the top three, if you're not looking to take a quarterback, especially in this quarterback-friendly uh, draft that we have. I really don't think Jimmy G is the guy. I don't even think that they thought that Jimmy G was going to be the guy when they got him so long ago. Um, he's often hurt, and he's not really even – he's not experienced as you'd want him to be with the age that he is. You know, he sat behind Brady for a really long time, and so I wouldn't be surprised if they took Fields. You know, you don't have to pay your Jimmy G what he was getting, obviously, more than the rookie scale, but not uh, – honestly, not huge quarterback money. But then you get back to the rookie scale with Justin Fields. They already have a very good team just build it up more. I really do think that you're right. I think they're going to take a quarterback here. So I think part of the interesting thing from a fantasy perspective is the Jets having the second overall pick and possibly taking a quarterback. Their new coach is Robert Sala, and he brought in Matt LaFleur's brother. I can't remember his first name at the moment, but to essentially install the same LaFleur, Shanahan, McVay type offense that's incredibly quarterback friendly. So you'd like his potential prospects to develop in that system. Same goes for Shanahan's offense with the 49ers. I'll put it this way, and this would have been my argument had we not been texting about it with Ben the other day, but 
I think the 49ers look at it as we can't win a Super Bowl because of Jimmy Garoppolo. We might be able to win one in spite of him, but I don't think he is the primary component in them winning a Super Bowl. And right now they're paying him a lot of money in order to be that cock. You can cut him next year without a whole lot of cap hits. And so I think the 49ers are thinking they need to move on long term. They have several other big pieces in place. They're going to have to pay Fred Warner at the end of next year. They're going to have to pay Nick Bosa here coming up. They have several other of their defensive linemen that are locked up. They just gave the biggest lineman contract in the history of the NFL to Trent Williams. They've got Brandon Ayuk. They've got Debo Samuel. They've got George Kittle that they're paying a bunch of money. They can't continue to pay a quarterback on top of all of the other money they've given out and still expect to be in a winnable mode. We already saw it last year. A quarterback that's good can excel in this system like Jimmy Garoppolo did two years ago, or an elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers can excel in this system and be an MVP. So I think there's the possibility, if you do hit on your draft pick, that all of a sudden that becomes a position of strength that you're not paying and becomes an asset, even despite the amount of picks that you gave up. Whereas right now it's seen as a hindrance to your potential prospects at getting to a championship. And I would expect that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be looking for a job at worst by the end of next year. A hundred percent. I agree with you. A hundred and ten percent. So the Dolphins are the next interesting, and I'm just going to take this in levels of interesting to me. I thought it was interesting that they traded the third pick. I also thought it was interesting they traded back up to get to the sixth pick. Now, they drafted their quarterback solution. They moved on from Ryan Fitzpatrick. They were trying to do this weird quarterback two-step last year in order to make the playoffs. You know how much, if you've been a loyal listener to the show, that I love Brian Flores. I think the Dolphins have pretty much accepted that they're going to build the team around Tua at this point and give him every opportunity to succeed before they go out and get another quarterback. But having the third pick, you would have thought that taking another quarterback, they're probably, with the way that Flores coaches, not going to have another opportunity to move back up to get a quarterback in the class like this where we have five prospects that are all highly touted. So I question with what we saw of Tua last year, whether they really believe in him, because, I mean, there were questions apparently out of his own locker room that he was the guy. But you have to assume that the Dolphins are moving forward exclusively with him. And at the sixth pick, they're not necessarily targeting a quarterback. They'll likely be going for one of the pass catchers or an offensive lineman. Yeah, I thought it was crazy, too. I'm not sold on Tua. I, if I was them, I personally, I would have kept three. I would have taken another quarterback. Uh, there's no problem with having a young quarterback battle and then dealing whichever one loses. I feel like you could have still gotten a pretty decent haul for either one of them. But for me, personally, I'm, I'm not there on Tua yet. I, I don't know if I ever will be, uh, but that's not either here nor there. I, but, I mean, they moved back up. I, I'm interested to see what they do with six, but this Dolphins team, I really do think finally after so many years of like not really even having an identity as a team, 
I think Flores brings an identity to them. I really do think they're going to be one of the fun teams to watch over this next couple couple years. This Dolphins offense to me seems right now very similar to what we were talking about with Denver last year. If they could figure out the quarterback situation, they were going to be successful because they put pieces around to make it successful. I don't think they have the running backs in place, but they were able to compete with the running backs that they had on the roster, and I would expect them to draft one yet for this season. Obviously, Miles Gaskin and Selvan Ahmed uh, did very well in spot starts last year. Fantasy-wise, it ended up killing my season. Thanks, Dana. And <laughs> they signed Will Fuller. They have Mike Gusecki, who's been a sleeper tight end prospect for a couple of years now. Devontae Parker's on the team. Preston Williams is probably going to be healthy going into the year. You would think that they have enough capital to move forward with that team, and they're going to have the opportunity to draft a Penny Sewell from Oregon or a Jamar Chase, a Devontae Smith, a Kyle Pitts with that sixth overall pick. With them also having multiple picks in other years, I also think they have the capital to maybe move up if they have to move away from Tua. But with the defense and where they've paid a lot of money before, they're good on their cap situation. I like what Miami's doing. I just, like you, have a lot of questions with Tua. I'm going to remain neutral, though, because I want he, – he went through a devastating injury. I watched it live when that happened, and I thought he had that Bo Jackson injury where he was never going to come back. I thought legitimately he would never have a career. So to see him be able to come back almost immediately and be able to play, I think, is unprecedented because those those hip injuries are savage. So give him a full offseason. Let's see how he develops, and I, I will hold out hope that he has some potential going into next year, but... If he doesn't, I think the Dolphins have the capability with the assets that they have currently and the cap space to make a run at somebody else yet. And it doesn't put them in too big of a hole. All right, finally, the Eagles. I know this is a team you're personally invested in in a couple of ways. You've still got a couple of their players, particularly your first overall draft pick last year. What do you think their situation currently says that they moved out of the sixth pick back to the 12th? I was a little confused. I feel like a team that I don't think that they're that far away. I really don't. They have a lot of very, very good skill players. I just didn't think that they were that far away. I think you would have wanted to get the best player possible. But I don't know. For me, too, I kind of think about it as like I have two of the better players that they have on offense. So if the rest of the offense is really, really crappy, I mean, that's just really that's just much better for my guys. But I was confused by it. That's for sure. That was my first thought. To me, what this says is very similar to what I've seen most of the quote unquote experts label that apparently the Eagles thought at six they might have a shot at one of the quarterbacks, but it became evident that they would have to move up again in order to get one of the top guys. And if their top guy wasn't there, they feel confident enough in working around Jalen Hurts to not invest in that. So move down a little bit, gain a couple more picks. You're probably going to have what you are looking for in the 12th pick, plus you keep your other asset possibilities alive by moving back a little bit. I think this is more of them 
uh, trying to build a fuller roster than get that one player that they really need. That's what it always says to me when a team trades back. So I, I don't think there's a whole lot here other than the Dolphins kind of wanted to move up. They had the capital. The Eagles were willing to move back because they they didn't have anybody inside the top 10 that they really felt they had to have. But let's not make it a bigger deal. All right. Deshaun Watson. I don't want to go into the did he, didn't he, he said, she said, she said, she, she said, she said, she said, she said, she said. She said, she said, she said, and I can continue going because I think it's up to some like 20 at this point. Uh, we're not equipped as men to be able to capably handle this situation. I haven't read any of the case files. I don't know anything about the legal channels. Right now, this is all civil suits. So there's no nothing criminally attached and I don't know what the statute of limitations is on some of these things or how long ago all of these were. The details that have leaked out that people have been comfortable sharing in some areas of sports talk are not great. I will fully admit to that, that this sounds like predatory behavior. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay, I, I understand the amount would seem overwhelming at this point. But there are two particular things because he's been one of the subjects of the offseason so far. Number one, whether he's going to play for the Texans. Two, whether he's going to play at all, because now there's a looming investigation. There's no criminal charges yet, but there is a, a hangover possibility that at some point some DA could pick up the investigation and make a bigger deal out of this, especially if. Somebody wants to be vindictive about the fact that he sits out training camp or is a holdout. And whether he even is a tradable asset at this point. So I'll get your reaction first and let you kind of work through it however you want to. Take as much time as you need to try and feel like that you've done your two-step around the difficult parts to the at least stuff that we can talk about. And we can go from there. Yeah, um, I've been reading about, I mean, just like the headlines and stuff. I don't know enough about it to make a definitive uh, judgment either way. I mean, if he did, he's a pile of shit. Um, if he didn't, I hope that he can get everything figured out and get back on track. That being said, having him as... Uh, fantasy asset right now i really think the best thing you can do is just wait i he's such a big name and such a big value that you really don't want to get rid of him just to have to get rid of him for for pennies on the dollar but that being said i don't think you're going to find a lot of people that are going to go out and pay top dollar for him right now because you really really don't know what the future is one, you don't know if he's going to play for the Texans because he doesn't want to play for the Texans. And then two, you got all this other stuff going on as well that maybe he doesn't play again for a little bit because he's got a suspension that he has to deal with. So it's you're in a really, really shitty spot if you do have him on your team. But it's one where it's just you just got to sit and you got to wait and see. And 
hopefully it just gets figured out quickly. And I'm not even saying like best case scenario or anything like that. It's just hopefully it gets figured out quickly so then you can make a decision of what you need to do. But yeah, it's not a good look. It's not a good look at all. So I will try my best to piece through as many of these as possible. Number one, I think there are two big dividing lines as to what happens with the Texans first. One would be the draft and seeing where they end up making their uh, picks, what that says about their team and what they're trying to do as an organization moving forward. I know they already got Tyrod Taylor in. We're going to talk about that here in a second with free agency. He's at least a competent quarterback and probably would have held off Justin Herbert for quite a bit had it not been for a stray needle. So I, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry to we're, interrupt. We're, I, we're, I completely we're very, forgot about that. That's how he got his start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. He's at least a competent starter that got to the Bills to the playoffs a few years back. So I, I don't want to make too much of that. The Texans have protected themselves on that front, but they're not a good organization. They're lacking a lot of assets that they've gotten rid of for other pieces. I, I The defense is poor, and you have to admit that the offense probably is not going to be much better if Deshaun Watson's not back there doing Deshaun Watson-like things. I don't think he will be suspended for this year. Only because these investigations take a ton of time. Unless he's suspended indefinitely because of something else that goes on or the pileup of, of, like, if there are criminal charges being pressed. I think the most immediate example would be Antonio Brown, where the NFL has still not figured out what to do with all of these civil cases surrounding him. But as long as he's keeping on the straight and narrow and isn't doing things like holding up in his house and calling in suicide threats to like a moving company, or I don't even remember all of the details. It was just insane. But as long as he's not doing that level of severity, I have to imagine that the investigation is going to wait until all of these pending civil issues have resolved, which I don't think will be very soon. So you let the legal process weigh out. I would imagine that if he wants to play, he's going to have to play for the Texans. Because the Texans are not going to give him away for nothing with the situation that they're currently in. They're holding a big piece with his contract as large as it is at the moment. And the rules now in the new collective bargaining agreement actually go against holdouts. So it's not likely that I think he's going to be able to hold out for very long with all of this looming. So if he plays, I think he's going to continue to play just for a crappy organization that I don't know who he's going to even be throwing the ball to next year. So that's all part of it. We will see how the rest of it plays out. But right now, I don't see him playing for anybody other than the Texans this year. And if he decides he's going to, I don't think that the NFL is going to step in in the immediate. It's just going to be a circus surrounding the team all year who's probably going to finish in the bottom five. Just reasonably saying. Because they were, what, 4-12 and 12 this year and got the third overall pick when Deshaun Watson was playing out of his mind. So it's not like they've gotten better. They let Will Fuller, or they had to let Will Fuller go. They had to let J.J. Watt go, and, like, that defense is terrible. So, all right. 
finally, and this just happened before we went on air, the NFL has confirmed what we basically knew going into the year was going to be a possibility. We already had an extra playoff team last season, but now we are getting a 17th NFL game as per the new collective bargaining agreement. So that means the NFL is going to be 18 weeks. I know they've had an agreement that they don't start before the week after Labor Day because Labor Day is exclusively for college football. So I think that pushes the Super Bowl back into mid-February. This will also push the season one week longer for fantasy perspectives. So instead of having the 16-week calendar that we had, we'll have a 17-week calendar. Uh, Usually that means we're going to have three weeks of playoffs and 14 weeks of the regular NFL season. But any additional thoughts on that as we go along? I personally think it's dumb. I mean... Going through a 16-game season is already torture enough on the body as it is. I mean, they've obviously got to be doing something with the preseason, but I I, I think it's dumb. But cash is king, right? Well, absolutely. They can sell this as part of the rights deal. Uh, We mentioned a little bit before we got on air of the length of the TV contracts being 11 years going forward, and it's going to end up doubling their revenue from – the networks plus Amazon is exclusively taking over Thursday night football. So that's at least getting them in the streaming game. I'm not sure why the NFL locked themselves into such a long-term contract when they could have done probably a five-year deal and re-upped for probably double yet again, because as streaming rights go, there are very few things that control live attention like sports. There's almost nothing. So having the ability to do sports is extremely valuable to these companies for getting mass attention all at the same time. Uh, Advertisers, the same thing. So I think that the revenue for sports TV contracts and streaming is going to go through the roof here in the next few years. I would venture to say that the NBA contract, when it comes up, I think in the next couple of years, is probably going to set a huge mark on the number they're going to get when they probably give out a good percentage of their rights to Netflix or something of that nature. We're going to have it. It's going to happen, folks. But the 17th game was an inevitability. The owners got it into the contract. Frankly, the Players Association did a crap job on... If you're a player advocate, I don't know why they voted for this. I know it was very close but you guys got screwed. Like the money's fine there, but all of the little things that are incentivized, it just, you really didn't get a whole lot. The marijuana policy is still not restricted. You still didn't get judge, jury, and executioner on Roger Goodell removed. Uh, You've got more issues with the holdout situation. You're not getting a much bigger piece of the pie. Your, Your labor situation is just bad. And... I don't know if that's going to change since the biggest piece of your players organization is controlled by guys who have five-year careers, Max. And so I think it's going to change only the amount of games we're going to have. It's going to change a little bit of the fantasy schedule. As a fan, I'm a little bit selfish and, okay, I'll enjoy another week of football. It's not going to matter to me in probably a year or two. It'll just be part of our regular routine, like juggling a new ball. I'm curious how they're going to do the new scheduling, 
because right now you have it that you play the or one division from your own conference. You play uh, all of your divisional opponents twice. You play one division from the opposing conference, and then you play the same place finishers in the other two divisions in your conference. Where is that extra game going to be coming from? I don't know how they're going to reasonably figure out how to schedule that. But who knows? I'm sure we'll get that when the new t- uh, huge event that is the schedule release becomes a thing. So <laughs> in the meantime, I don't know. We just get more football, I guess. All right. So let's get to the heart of the matter. As I said before, tonight we are reacting to all things free agency. E, what are you excited to talk about when it comes to free agents? I guess the impact that a lot of these new players are going to have or maybe lack of impact. It's just fun to see new players go to our uh, players go to new places. I think it's interesting because you throw in a new cog. It's somebody being removed from one situation and then added to another one. So you have two different fronts as to the effects it may have or the ripple effects. So let's start out with the Giants. They made one of the biggest splashes of free agency with Kenny Galladay just this last week. He was clearly the number one receiver out on the market. The Lions moved on from him. The Giants also signed John Ross. How do you see this affecting the Giants passing game, if at all? Well, you got Kenny Galladay, who obviously becomes the number one wide receiver. I think it helps their passing game a lot. John Ross, I really don't. What has he done, you know, besides Ben Hurt? So that one is just really nothing to me. Kenny Galladay, if he can stay healthy, but that's the thing with him, too. He was really an up-and-comer about two years ago, was it? Three years ago, maybe? And I really did, because I traded him to Dana, and I was pretty reluctant, but I knew it was something that I had to do at the time to get to where I wanted to be. But I just felt like I'm going to keep reading about this guy in two years about how he's just taken the league over by storm, because I really do think he has that ability. Do I think that Daniel Jones can pull that out of him, though? I It's hard for me to believe that. Daniel Jones is a much better quarterback, and he's been getting better year after year. But I don't know. I don't think we'll ever see the best of Kenny Galladay. So Kenny Galladay had a really great year two years ago and was arguably in the top 10 of receivers in most categories. He was in the top 10 in fantasy points. He had a really terrible year last year where he had a hip injury. He didn't look motivated to come back and play for the Lions, particularly Matt Patricia. I think he's a very good wide receiver. The Giants seem to think he's healthy. I think he has the possibility, but I think he hit the nail on the head, Daniel Jones. Now, I'm going to ask one question before I continue to give that opinion. Do you know what is going on with Evan Ingram? I thought he might have been a free agent this year, and they did sign Kyle Rudolph. No, he's still there. Okay. So that was my one conundrum. If you have Kyle Rudolph, who's at least a proven tight end, you've still got Ingram, you've still got... Sterling Shepard, you've got, uh, why am I drawing a blank on the one guy that uh, was like a fifth round pick for them that was explosive last year? Slayton. Yes, Darius Slayton. Thank you. Kenny Galladay, you're going to have weapons all over the place. You've got Wayne Gallman. You've got a decent offensive line, at least for what you saw last year. And you're going to have Saquon Barkley back at some point. The pieces are all there. You just need competent quarterback play. Is Daniel Jones an answer for the Giants in a very weak division. 
that's where my head's at. If he is, Kenny Galladay's an asset, and so might a few of these other players. But if he's not, who knows? That That's literally the long and short of it. All right, let's go over to the Patriots. They made some of the biggest splashes. As far as fantasy players go, Janu Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne all overhauling the Patriots' pass-catching ability. They did re-sign James White and Cam Newton. So what is this Patriots offense going to be? That's a really good question. I don't know what they're going to be. They really did load up. You got... Probably Aguilar will probably slot in as the number two receiver, and you got to think that Kendrick Bourne will probably be the number three. I don't think we're ever going to ever, 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 ever get back to the Patriots where it was Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, but they do have two very good tight ends, and you know, you know, they love to run the two tight end sets, but I don't ever think that we'll ever get back to that point. I think he's going to try to get back to what he was doing before. I really do. I think the Patriots way is the Patriots way. And I think that was pretty, pretty evident by what they did in free agency. I think they brought in Aguilar to be the next Edelman because he was hurt a lot last year. He's clearly lost whatever made him special. I don't know what they're going to do with Cam Newton. And a lot of the rumors have been that the Patriots are targeting Mac Jones to bring in and be the backup or at least the developmental project in this system, given the connection between Belichick and Saban. So I think that is a strong possibility. I like that they got the two tight end sets, but I don't think it's going to be used in this way people think. There are going to be a lot of the comparisons to Gronkowski and Hernandez, but I think it's more possible that Johnu Smith is used more in an H-back role in the way that the Packers drafted Josiah DeGuara to be last year, or the way that the 49ers used Kyle Juszczyk, that he's going to move all over. Because there are uh, clips floating around Twitter, YouTube, whatever, of Jonu Smith running the football, and I think that's a possibility for how they have their team. Uh, I don't know what they're going to be doing with Sony Michelle yet, but it seemed evident to me that who's the other running back that they had and was so good last year? Um, Damian Harris. Yeah, that Damian Harris is going to be the long-term front runner at running back. Again, this position comes down to quarterback. If Cam Newton is going to throw the ball five yards into the ground, nobody's going to be an asset in this offense. And you said repeatedly all of last year, I don't want a single Patriot on my squad. I think as long as we don't see a different Cam Newton, that will continue to be the case. Yeah, I mean, I still feel that way. I don't want a Patriot on my squad. (laughs) All right. Any reaction to Corey Davis, Keelan Cole, or Tevin Coleman to the Jets? As a Denzel Mims owner, that was a little upsetting, but it'll be a little more impactful if they do get a new quarterback, because I personally don't think, I don't think that, um, Darnold is the answer. I still think that they're going to want to run first. So I think whoever they get to be their primary back in this offense is going to be rewarded. 
And right now you would have to assume that's probably going to be Coleman, but given his injury history, I would definitely be handcuffing in this situation. I think that this is a backfield to monitor and the passing game has yet to be determined again because of the questions at quarterback. I don't want to spend too much more time on it because it's the Jets. All right. Washington football team, Curtis Samuel and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Any reaction to either of those? I think Curtis Samuel was a really big pickup for them. I know I wanted the Packers to take a look, a long, hard look at him. They're going to be a very, very fast team. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is also kind of the perfect quarterback for it. He's been around the league forever. He's seen everything. The defense is young. The defense is fast. I honestly think that Washington, not saying that this is like, could be hard because the division is pretty easy, but I really do think that Washington could take this division pretty easily this next year. I think that you may be correct with their defensive line, the way it is, if they can stay relatively healthy and Ryan Fitzpatrick is an above average starter, just generally. So if he's in that uh, Fitz magic mode, as opposed to Fitz tragic, because they're, they're, He's somewhat of a bipolar quarterback. There is the good and bad Ryan Fitzpatrick. There always has been. The one thing I will say from a fantasy perspective is Terry McLaurin was a top 20 wide receiver last year, and we probably never talked about him. And that was with the carousel of Dwayne Haskins and uh, who's the guy that started the playoff game? I don't even remember. And Alex Smith and uh, Kyle Allen still on the team. So, Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been able to make good receivers out of his number ones and really forces the football to them, a.k.a. Devontae Parker two years ago. So you have to like that Terry McLaurin might have a more consistent thrower of the football to him if they're willing to force it into him a little bit. His target share is likely to increase. Thus, he may be on the fringe of being a number one wide receiver in my mind next year. Uh, Marvin Jones and Carlos Hyde to Jacksonville. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm always super surprised when I see Carlos Hyde getting another contract. I do think Marvin Jones is a really, really good wide receiver, but like maybe this is just urban helping his old boy out for a couple more years, but uh, that one makes, there's a lot of other very good running backs that are out there. I don't know why there's so much Carlos Hyde hate. He had over a thousand yards like two years ago with the Texans and was a decent option. Last year, he was a very competent backup to or Chris Hyde and had several games that he was fantasy relevant. I think to me, this says James Robinson's not going to get the same usage rate that he did last year. And frankly, that's probably better for James Robinson owners because he won't have to carry nearly the same workload. He got hurt towards the end of the year, and that's when you need him most. And while he was great in that first half, you really need him down the stretch. So if he's going to be a very good player uh, and still the primary back, then I like this move. If they're really expecting James Robinson and Carlos Hyde to equally split time, that's where I obviously am going to downgrade James Robinson. But that's what it says to me. The Marvin Jones thing, he's a very good wide receiver that nobody talks about. You need targets for... Whichever quarterback you have coming in, most likely Trevor Lawrence. And right now you have uh, – so, okay. 
<laughs> All right. Kenyon Drake and Willie Sneed to the Raiders. Um, I actually, I like both of those picks a lot. Well, I like the Kenyon Drake pick a lot. I think he's going to be a, the perfect backup and change of pace guy to Josh Jacobs. But as a Josh Jacobs, if I was a Josh Jacobs owner, you got to think that um, his third da- or his three down bell call bell cow roll is not really going to be there. I feel like Kenyon Drake will get a lot of third down work. I feel like he'll be heavily involved in the passing game as well. With the Willie Sneed thing, as a someone that really likes Brian Edwards, I really do like Brian Edwards a lot. That one would frustrate me a little bit because you really thought that this was going to be the year that Brian Edwards kind of steps into that definite starting role or at least three-man rotation. You have John Brown there that that's there now too, so... And then you still have Hunter Renfro and they got Zay Jones as well. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of wide receiver talent in the Raiders uh, organization right now. I thought Brian Edwards was more of a perimeter wide receiver than anything in the slot. And really Willie Sneed has operated almost primarily out of the slot, either with the saints or the Ravens in his career. I look at this more as a guy between him or John Brown that is likely to replace Nelson Aguilar's role in the organization. They like a lot of speed, but I don't see that as a huge deal one way or the other because the Raiders really are built on running the football and play action, so they're going to want to take deep shots. John Brown is probably more indicative of that. Henry Ruggs is probably more indicative of that. They will look at Brian Edwards as a possession receiver, but Derek Carts is still the quarterback, and he's still a huge question mark. I'm not seeing a whole lot move out of that one. The more interesting one to me is Kenyon Drake, because it really cements Josh Jacobs' status as a number two running back to me. He's never going to be one of the elite guys because he just doesn't have the pass-catching ability. You bring in Kenyon Drake to be exactly what you said, the third down guy who's going to take a lot of shotgun work. He's going to be the guy that's catching balls out of the backfield. He's going to be your speedster, so you have a thunder and lightning type situation. But Josh Jacobs is now permanently cemented into that RB2 category for me. Yeah, I I agree with everything, you too, you said about Brian Edwards. But it's just more mouths to feed, I guess, was what I was getting at. Just more opportunities that I thought that he would have um, that he's not necessarily going to have anymore. But yeah, um, Josh Jacobs, you're right. I mean, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right, for sure. Josh Jacobs can't be anywhere near your top 10 running backs in fantasy. Not anymore. Well, to me, he is valuable because he is a running back and he could be a good RB2, but I'm probably not selecting him before at least probably 15 other guys at the position. And that's just literally a matter of fact. He, He barely has any pass catching ability. And so what can you count on? You count on a ton of rushing and yards and getting into the end zone. So if he's the pure goal line back, sure. But you bring in Kenyon Drake for the ability to pass catch and supplement the parts of Josh Jacobs game that he can't do. That's what it says to me. All right. Will Fuller to the Dolphins. I think he steps in, maybe becomes your number one target. Yes, he still has to serve that suspension. How many games does he have left on that? Do you know? I thought it was just through the end of the year. Oh, okay. If if anything, he might have one, maybe two games yet. So you got Devontae Parker, you got Will Fuller. I really do think that those are going to be your two big target guys. Preston Williams is there as well. And then you have Gasecki at tight end. I 
you know, if Tua can figure it out, I think he's going to love having a target like Will Fuller. And I really do think that he could flourish in this Miami Dolphin offense. It's just goes back to it. The quarterback. There are many think pieces out there that show the difference in the Houston Texans ability to score and be efficient as an offense with Will Fuller on the field and without him on the field. Go look at those. I think he's a very good player. It's whether he can stay healthy. Last year was the first year that he really showed he could be healthy, and it was because he was probably taking um, HTH or something else to supplement that and stay healthy. So I'll be curious. I think that he's a very talented wide receiver that steps into a good situation. I don't know if you would say he's number one or 1A with Devontae Parker. It also depends to me what the Dolphins do at the sixth pick because you'd think they'd take some type of pass catcher. Um, if they take Jamar Chase or they take Devontae Smith, I think that becomes a very different situation than if they go in a different direction like a offensive tackle or something else where he's supplemented. If they throw in yet another pass catcher to this situation, I think it becomes, again, like a Denver Broncos situation where you have too many guys with out establishing who the top target is for fantasy value, and it waters down the whole system. All right. Let's move to Andy Dalton to the Bears. The Bears are going to Bears. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't need to discuss that one. I'm sure we're going to hammer on the Bears <laughs> completely during the offseason. I, I, I just don't I, I don't know what I don't know what they're doing. I just don't you know You could have what gotten the up, gone is. out and gotten Andy Dalton last year. You let him be the backup for Dallas. You go and trade for Nick Foles and give Trubisky another year, and now Andy Dalton is your starter and Nick Foles is your backup. Yay, Bears! <laughs> I am not terrified to see Andy Dalton twice this year. Not at all. Jared Cook to the Chargers. That one is, if you're Justin Herbert, you got to be ecstatic. I really do think that um, Jared Cook could have a very, very good couple of years in L.A. I think this is almost a non-factor. I, I don't think there was a whole lot left for Jared Cook. He was going to be a possession receiver for uh, what they were doing in New Orleans. It never really worked out. He, You would have thought that uh, he would have been a fantasy-relevant tight end the last couple of years for Drew Brees. I know he's moving over to the Chargers, and he'll likely be the top guy with Hunter Henry moving on. But Hunter Henry's stats were not great, and Jared Cook is at the end of his career not the beginning to me this just says we needed a guy interesting aj green to the cardinals i don't know or i guess we're going to see what he's got left in the tank i really have the possibility of having nuke fitzgerald and aj green all on the same team but they didn't re-sign larry fitzgerald yet i don't think he's like a cardinal is he I don't think he is. I don't know if he was open or off contract. I think it's a more of a question of whether he's retired or not. Yeah, I'm looking at the depth chart right now, and I don't actually see him on there. I see Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk. Either way, I again, I think this is just another big body to run poorly in one side of the field all season. Please tell us more what you feel about Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> oh, if you would like me to go on. <laughs> I mean, like I said, we're going to see what he has left in the tank. Um, this this will be it. You know, uh, he kind of had the excuses over the last couple of years with the injuries and with the injuries to quarterback and just terrible quarterback play. 
now you really don't have that. You're not looked at as a number one wide receiver anymore. So I guess we're going to see if he can be fantasy relevant. I know for me, I don't even know if he's on my team anymore, but if he is, I know for me, he's not going to be getting carried over. Jamal Williams and Tyrell Williams to the Lions. You know, that one... That one is really kind of interesting to me. He'll obviously be the change of pace back for DeAndre Swift, but with Deuce Staley now in Detroit, I kind of thought that they were just going to run the brakes off of DeAndre Swift. So as a DeAndre Swift owner, that kind of makes me a little upset because I feel like goal line work as well. You know, Jamal Williams, I know he's trying not to be as powerful, like just being labeled as a power back, but that's what he is. He's a power back. So that would be my only concern. Tyrell Williams, you know, he instantly slots in at the number one wide receiver in Detroit, but he plays for Detroit. So I'm not super excited about that landing spot. Tyrell Williams is a nothing burger to me. He can't stay healthy. He hasn't been able to for four years. And if you can't rely on the guy, I know a lot of people will try and draft him to be the number one guy in that system. But A, Jared Goff's throwing him the ball. And B, he probably won't make it through the first two games without being out for something. I think Quintus Cephas is the number one wide receiver on the team. The number one pass catcher is TJ Hawkinson. The number two pass catcher is probably DeAndre Swift. The number three pass catcher is probably Jamal Williams. I look at Williams as a good complement to bring in to back up DeAndre Swift this year. I think Dan Campbell and his uh, manhood are going to try and run the ball a lot. So I don't see Swift being able to take a full season workload uh, by himself. So Williams is more of a guy to try and um, allow them the space to do a similar thing to DeAndre Swift, but not have to spend as much money. I look at Jamal Williams very similarly to how I look at DeAndre Swift and how he performed last year. This really doesn't give me any inclination on what they're going to do with DeAndre Swift because of how he played down the stretch last year. To me, the problem with the Lions is going to be Jared Goff throwing the football. But that's been the situation with all of these teams signing new guys and new pass catchers is quarterback. Gerald Everett to the Seahawks. I mean, as uh, Russell Wilson, you got to be happy about that. He's a bigger body, um, pretty quick. I think he'll have a better year, too. You know, he's got a better quarterback. He only had one touchdown last year, but I do think that kind of catapults him into the pretty awful and unstable tight end market. If I'm picking right now, Russell Wilson, when the Seahawks ran the football more and concentrated on more multiple tight end sets— made certain fantasy tight ends relevant. You think about Jacob Hollister, or you think about uh, Will Disley, or, I mean, going back a few years, I'm sure there are a couple of other guys. Now, it didn't happen last year because the Seahawks were spreading it out a little bit more, were throwing the ball around the yard. But if they're seriously thinking about running the football more, I think Gerald Everett is a good addition who I would call right now as being a top 10 tight end next season. Manuel Sanders, Brashad Perriman, Mitchell Trubisky, and Matt Breed of the Bills. I think, if anything, they got to be really happy about the signing of Mitchell Trubisky. I think he transcends that offense. <laughs> no, I mean, um, you got to be happy, especially if you're Josh Allen, you get another wide receiver targeting Emmanuel Sanders. But for me, it's like, how much does that guy have left? 
I feel like he's undersized in a way that he takes a lot of hits and he's been dealing with a lot of injuries as well. And he's, he's got to be close, closer towards the end of his career. But, um, you know, you can't argue with what he's been doing when he is on the field. Last year he had, you know, 61 catches, 82 targets and still five touchdowns. So I think Josh Allen will, will make good work of him. And I think as Stefan Diggs, I think he'll be happy as well. Cause it'll just open up things a little more for him. So we were talking about Gabriel Davis the other week with Ed. I think just because they let John Brown go, these are cheap options in Emmanuel Sanders, who is a good, apparently teammate locker room guy, uh, a decent pass catcher, a veteran who's going to be able to have a great influence on that wide receiver group in uh, two guys that are already there with Beasley and Diggs. To me, this says, uh, we're going to be basically throwing out the run game. We're going to be going up-tempo. We're going to be spreading you out four or five wide all the time, and we're going to be throwing the football because Perriman had an okay year and some decent games for the Jets last year. I think that both of them basically says to me, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are not going to get any use. Our running game is going to be Josh Allen when he scrambles. Yeah, I was going to say, Matt Breida, I'll be surprised if he kind of makes the roster at the end of the whole thing because Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Mike Davis to the Falcons. Is he their number one guy? Sorry, I don't have it pulled up yet. So yeah, because Todd Gurley's not re-signed unless they're going to use Brian Hill or somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, he is their number one guy. Edo Smith right now is slotted in at number two. He did do pretty well his first stint. Um, taking over for Christian McCaffrey, but you could tell, you know, he wore down towards the end of the season. So we'll see what this off season is like for him. But yeah, I mean, he's going to be the number one running back in Atlanta. It looks like. So Atlanta controls the fourth pick in the first and second round. Don't be shocked if they take a running back off the board with that fourth pick in the second round. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. They're, they don't have very, too much to their offensive roster right now. And if they do, I'm already telling you that if it's somebody like Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, that they're going to go very like one or two in our dynasty draft. Because yeah. this is a good situation for a running back to be in. But Mike Davis is a good backup running back, a good deputy, but he's not a full-time guy. All right, we mentioned it before. Tyrod Taylor went to the Texans, but so did Philip Lindsay after he was unceremoniously cut by Denver. Any of these rattle your cage at all? Phil Lindsay, he'll be a nice little change of pace guy to David Johnson. You got to expect that Tyrod Taylor's got to be at least the starter at this moment in time, just because Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play for the Texans anymore. But I don't think any of these jump out at me like I got to have these guys right now. I'm a little curious with Lindsay, but I pretty much agree. So let's move on quickly to Jacoby Brissett to the Dolphins. I got to imagine he's just going to be a backup to Tua because Fitzpatrick moved on. Agreed. David Moore from Seattle to Carolina. I mean, he had some games. He really did have some really good games, but I think a lot of that came from his quarterback, too. He's going to a much worse quarterback situation from Russ to Teddy Bridgewater. So um, I would downgrade him personally. I think this is maybe to replace some of the production out of Curtis Samuel, but you got to imagine Robbie Anderson and 
DJ Moore, the top two pass catchers in this offense. I really don't see it being beyond that, even with Bridgewater still at quarterback. Deshaun Jackson to the Rams. That really does nothing to me. Deshaun Jackson hasn't really done anything for me in the last couple of years to still still a speed guy, but it's kind of just like big play or not. He's a boomer bust guy. The Rams have always coveted a guy that can take the top off and they didn't really have it last year. They overpaid for Sammy Watkins a couple of years ago to be that guy. They overpaid for Brandon cooks. And so they always look for a guy that's speedy that they can throw a deep shot to. That's all this says to me, but I don't think he's going to be a functional part of their offense because he just can't stay healthy. Finally, the last one I have on my list, and this just happened uh, before the weekend here, Sammy Watkins to the Ravens. Start him week one. After week one, cut his ass. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's a above average possession receiver with a bigger body that I'd be curious to see if he's got any speed left to be a deep shot target for Lamar Jackson. Because, again, and we, we've said this multiple times, the Ravens are going to run in a lot of short yardage. They're going to give Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins the opportunity to do all the short to immediate or medium level things on the field with the run game. They have to have a deep passing game in order to open up those abilities or people are just going to stack the box and double Mark Andrews. So who's that guy going to be? We thought they brought in Hollywood Brown to be that guy. He hasn't really developed into that quite yet. Sammy Watkins, to me, says I needed another pass catcher in order to help Lamar Jackson a little bit down the field. And He's, he's for sure the biggest bodied receiver that Lamar Jackson has ever played with as well, too, This with this talented. So, I mean, with Sammy Watkins, the potential is there. It's just with injuries, like he, you seem like every single year he suffers – some type of injury and it's a soft tissue injury too that just lingers and that just sucks but hopefully he can figure it out I mean I'm really interested to see Lamar Jackson with a really really good wide receiver and Sammy Watkins does have the potential to do that if his body lets him to me this also signals the end of the DJ Chark uh, to Baltimore trade rumors that had been swirling because the Ravens were really in the market to get at least one wide receiver. I think they got at least one of the guys that they were trying to target. All right, re-signings. And this might be a little bit more of the curious side. Chris Carson goes back to Seattle. You got to love that. You own him. I do. I also own Rashad Penny. And you have to imagine that despite Chris Carson having some injury issues over the last few years, he's still going to be the primary guy in an offense that has said they're going to be run first. I want to handcuff that position because he will miss a few games somewhere along the year, and you don't know what that's going to be. Penny's a good handcuff to that. I don't think I can keep them both, but I have hope that I'd be able to pick up Penny either in the draft or free agency in order to supplement that. It probably locks down my second running back spot behind Cam Akers on my team. Aaron Jones goes back to the Packers. I like it a lot um, just because we know what to expect from him and we know what we're going to get out of him. I do kind of think that it's going to be more like last year and the year before that. I don't think we're going to ever get that Aaron Jones again. I think functionally this is a two-year contract for him, even though it was stated as four years. And it's likely that they're going to suck up the last couple of years of uh, productivity out of Aaron Jones before he finishes his career somewhere else. 
He's a very good back for this offense. I think he's already peaked for what he can do. We saw that the passing game had a much bigger influence in totality on the Packers system, and I do think A.J. Dillon is going to grow into his role. If you're looking to buy low on him, I have word from the team that does own him at the moment that they are looking to potentially offload because they don't see an opportunity for him to be the primary back in the immediate future, which I would agree with, but I don't think A.J. Dillon is useless at the moment. Dak Prescott goes back to Dallas. I mean, he was he was on a roll before he got hurt. So all signs point to that this was um, this was a good move for everybody. Since he didn't injure a ligament and it was just a bone, I have confidence he'll be able to get back to what he was. I think that the Dallas offense is potentially very good with passing the ball. I still have my concerns over Ezekiel Elliott and that offensive line, but Dak has an ability to be mobile and maneuver around. Kellen Moore is apparently a very good play caller for this offense. C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. I like all of them moving forward into this next year. I think Dallas ended up having to overpay for him from what they could have had earlier on, but good for Dak. Get your money especially on a team where I don't mind if you take up too much of your cap number because uh, I'm a uh, anti-cowboy fan. Okay. T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack back to the Colts. I mean, I kind of figured that Marlon Mack would head back because he was really on a roll too before he got hurt and they really liked him. What that says about his role now that Jonathan Taylor has kind of emerged well, is kind of yet to be seen. Um, T.Y. Hilton, he's kind of doing what every, I think, wide receiver should have done this year is just take a one-year contract, wait for the salary cap to go back up, and then if you ball out, you get yourself paid again. But, you know, we've talked about T.Y. Hilton kind of a lot, and we both kind of assume that he's he's closer to the end of his career than maybe even he would like to admit. He had a really great end to last season, and you'd like to see that continue, but I... I would have thought that the Colts would have been more active given their cap space. They had like top three in cap space availability. And I know that they have to pay Darius Leonard. They have to pay, uh, I think, Quentin Nelson here upcoming again. So they have some positions to pay for. They're young right now. They're going to have some decent draft pick status. But I don't know why they didn't at least try and splash out a little bit. But maybe it's against their philosophy. I don't know. Right now, I think they're a very talented roster, and if uh, they can continue to supplement Carson Wentz, not necessarily needing to be the best player on the team, but can he be a very good player? I think they have a real shot at being a title contender this year, but I wait with some level of baited anticipation for what they're going to do, because I don't think this is the end of their moves. Juju Smith-Schuster accepts like a third of the uh, <laughs> amount of money that he could have had from Baltimore to go back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, you got to think either he really loves it in Pittsburgh or he's doing the exact same thing and then going to try to look elsewhere next year. You know, for him, I'm glad I got rid of him when I did. And I'm glad I got what I did for him. I really do think he's nothing more than a wide receiver, too, in this league, which is perfectly fine. I mean, I don't make, mean to say, like, God, this guy sucks. He's a very good wide receiver, but I do think that he needs an alpha in front of him 
to be the best version of himself that he can be. He was relegated to the slot receiver role last year, which meant a lot of catches, but a lot of short catches. Great in PPR formats. I don't know if he's much value in anything else. And you got to downgrade him a little bit because the Steelers still have to remake their offensive line. And Ben Roethlisberger's arm is probably um, kaput. Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, Chris Godwin all back to the Buccaneers. Yeah, they're running it back. Um, as a Chris Godwin owner, that makes me a little upset. Uh, his production has really dropped off with him being on Tampa Bay, but you got to be happy for their organization. They're going to try to do it all over again. So, I mean, that that makes sense to me. They don't give a crap about fantasy. They want to win Super Bowl, so it absolutely makes 100% sense to me. Gronk is probably another top 10 tight end given what the position was last year and he actually did perform down the stretch so you have to imagine that he's going to be capable we saw it in the Super Bowl that he's still got the ability to make a play here or there uh, I also think that Leonard Fournette is a useful backup I don't think he'll get the primary share of the carries but he is the passing down guy right now and Tom Brady does like to check the ball down so in a PPR format I think I would uh take him maybe in the double digit rounds as a guy that could be a useful flex guy occasionally, depending on the matchup or the game. And he has some value, but I'm kind of surprised that nobody else decided to give him a little bit more uh, cash out on the open market. Richard Higgins back to Cleveland. I think we touched on this last time. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. If OBJ is back, you know, obviously the potential and his his ceiling kind of drops. I do think, though, he has the opportunity, for example, if OBJ isn't there anymore, that he could kind of be a sleeper fantasy. I don't want to say star, but have a very, very good fantasy year where he is going to take a lot of teams to championship or deep playoff runs. I, I do think he has that ability. And Baker Mayfield also showed last year that he is becoming a more consistent NFL quarterback and somebody that you can trust to take your team where you want it to go. This is a run-first offense that runs a lot of multiple tight end sets. Harrison Bryant and Austin Hooper are going to be ahead of him on the pass-catching ability. Landry and Beckham, if they're healthy, are going to be above him. I even think Kareem Hunt is going to be above him on the pass-catching markers. I really don't see him as making much of a fantasy impact if the Browns are healthy. Demarcus Robinson back to the Chiefs. Not really much. There's a lot of people ahead of him, a lot more talented people ahead of him. With Sammy Watkins leaving, I do think it opens up a little bit of space for that possession pass catcher, but I don't know who's going to fill it. Really, it's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and then you might get somebody else to sprinkle in there. My hope is is that at some point CEH becomes a little bit more involved in the passing game, so that would be where I'd look. But I don't know if he has any more flex value until I see it. Even so, in the Chiefs' offense, you at least have to keep an eye on it. Jameis Winston back to the Saints. And that one's a question for Jameis. Like, he's getting a lot less than Taysom Hill is getting. But they're talking like he's going to be the starting quarterback. I don't know. This one's confusing to me. Good for Jameis Winston. Hopefully he can win himself a starting job this year. If Jameis is starting, Taysom Hill is still going to find his way onto the field. If 
Taysom Hill is starting. Jameis Winston has no involvement in this offense. That That's legitimately it. But if you're to ask me right now which of those two guys is going to be the starter on opening day, it's Jameis Winston because I look at him as more capable of doing all of the things that a quarterback can, and Taysom Hill is not a good enough passer to be anything more than a gadget guy in my mind. And finally, to close it out, because I had to, Allen Robinson <laughs> back to the Bears. I am pissed. <laughs> I am absolutely pissed. Um, oh, it's just Andy a franchise. It's, it's just a franchise take. I do think that Andy Dalton is is a serviceable enough quarterback if he can get the protection that he needs. Um, you know, he's done it before, but Allen Robinson is just way too good of a wide receiver to have such shit quarterback play his entire life. And he's the only one to blame for this. You know, he did choose the bears over playing for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but I don't, I don't know. I I'm, I'm upset. I think he has exactly the same type of production that he did last year. I know it waned a little bit down the stretch when they went to the more Bill Lazor, not vertical, but lateral offense. But the pass catching, the one player that I would downgrade in the Bears system right now is David Montgomery, and that's only because Tariq Cohen's coming back. And so that's going to take away some of his passing value. But David Montgomery is still going to be the starter. Darnell Mooney was a decent player last year. And you have to imagine that there, I can't remember his name, the tight end uh, that they drafted last year in the second round, who was uh, from Notre Dame. He'll take a step forward and be a little bit more productive in the game. But Andy Dalton made his entire career out of basically lobbing the ball up to A.J. Green. Allen Robinson is kind of that type of player. And he makes a lot of good contested catches. So if all you're asking is Andy Dalton to either hand the ball off to David Montgomery or bootleg out and toss the ball or lob it up to Allen Robinson, he's a capable quarterback that can win the Bears some games. And I really don't see a drop off for Allen Robinson since he had to deal with Mitchell Trubisky last year. I think you're a little bit more scared than you need to be. It's just frustrating because I know what he can be. And I hate dealing with what he is. Let's just say that I think he's going to be drastically undervalued in redraft leagues. And he's going to be a guy that you'll pick at the end of the third round. And everybody will be giving you shit for picking a bear. And then you end up winning your fantasy championship because he's your second wide receiver behind like Devontae Adams and like Cam Akers that makes your team. Because he's a consistent, solid player as long as he's on the field. Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty League players out there. We do appreciate you. We will be back again soon to continue our off-season coverage. But until then, wear a mask, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. I would also encourage everyone, please get a vaccine if available. Hey, I'm one shot in. I get a sign up on Monday. Nice, nice. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.